0: Welcome to Ups and Downs for AEW Rampage And just in case you haven't checked out Smackdown Ups and Downs It is Halloween so it's a Halloween episode Which means we have to dress up So I just went into my prop box And found a bunch of random costumes And I'm a little bit worried because I look like a spangly burglar. But thank you for joining me as always. And we do have to talk about the latest episode of AEW Rampage and decide whether it was any good or decide whether it has ruined our lives. And we do this using the finger of power. And by giving the good bits an up and the bad bits a down, he wants to go. Let's go. I just talked to my finger looking like this. My life is done. Okay, look, right, so the opening match of Rampage is slowly becoming a highlight of the week because this time we had Brian Danielson versus Eddie Kingston in the AEW World Title Tournament. And I'm just gonna level with you. It was flubbing brilliant. I mean, it began with the story that Brian is the better wrestler, but nobody is tougher or has more heart than Eddie Kingston. And he played this role so well, dare I say it, the crowd at times were more behind him than they were the American Dragon. And ever since Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson has come to AEW, when have we been able to say that? It made for an awesome atmosphere too. And it planted this little seed of doubt in your head that maybe, just maybe, Eddie Kingston was going to win. Like you didn't actually believe that, but you also kind of did. It was treated like both guys knew this too. So he did have a tentative start before Eddie started laying in the chops, so Brian Danielson started laying in the kicks. It then became wrestling tennis because you had punches and kicks and drop kicks and chops, which eventually ended with Eddie being knocked to the outside and he was so pissed off that Brian had got one over him he started to pick up chairs and just march around like, oh, I'm really mad, I'm really mad. And as always, because it is Eddie Kingston, I totally believe that he was. Eddie then came up with a plan B, which was like, all right, I'm gonna show this guy that I can out-wrestle him. And when this failed, we cut to Brian Danielson, who genuinely looked pissed off that Kingston had even tried this to the point he then started working over his arm. And I don't get how Danielson does this. He was just stomping on his elbow and just manipulating the thing as if this was real, but it is predetermined. Totally, totally blows my brain. Do you know what Eddie did in response to that though? He head-butted Brian Danielson, and he followed it up with a drop kick, or a running drop kick, I should say. The fans went absolutely crazy, because it is all about timing. This continued too when Brian jumped off the apron, but Eddie caught him and gave him a side suplex. And at that juncture, he was like, okay, well look, I could keep fighting, or I could try and get out the count out victory and become the AEW world champion. So he did. And it looked like Brian Danielson wasn't gonna make it back into the ring, because at nine he just fell on the floor, but then he did throw himself back in. And <laughs> once again, Eddie was not happy. So all of a sudden you could start to see these layers forming, and then both guys were trying to use their submissions And at this stage, I looked at Brian Danielson's chest and realized it had just become a tomato. Like you have never seen skin so red in your life. And no matter how many times he does it, I'm always going to look at it and go, well, I tell you, that is disgusting. There was more headbutts after this, which always does make you feel a little bit oogly boogly because we know about the history here. And then it built to a back suplex off the top rope. And never forget, this is two human beings going backwards and hoping not to live on their next. Properly, properly crazy. They then started delaying more strikes as if they hadn't done this already. And when Brian Danielson applied the armbar, but Eddie Kingston powered out of it, that's when I knew I was totally invested in this and I wanted to see where it was gonna go. Amazingly, Eddie eventually did hit his spinning back elbow because he was so fatigued he took forever to go for the cover. So when he did crawl over to Brian, he was ready and he locked in the triangle choke. Now Eddie Kingston was like, no, you're not gonna do it, you're not gonna do it, and he was just rummaging around like a crazy person. So Daniel Bryan started to elbow him right in the skull as if to say, damn it, you fool, submit, I've got you beat. And then in true like Undertaker Brock Lesnar fashion, Eddie just flipped off Bryan Danielson before he did pass out and this meant he did loss but was he a loser? No, he was not. And this is one of those great occasions where both guys come out feeling like even bigger stars. It does mean that Brian Danielson is going through to the next round and he'll probably make it to the finals too. And then we just hit the overdrive button on Eddie Kingston's character because not only did he refuse to shake Brian's hand, but he then stormed off to the backstage area. Because if you can believe it, we weren't done because it was then time for Tony Schiavone to talk to CM Punk. But because Kingston was heading that direction, he just interrupted and he went ballistic at Mr. CM Punk. And Punk was all like, well, this is very unprofessional. I'm very disappointed in you. I just saw you went to sleep. And if you keep doing this, my friend, you'll be going to sleep again. So that is absolutely shots fired. And surely it means we're now going to do any Kingston versus CM Punk at full gear, which after what I've just seen, is a match I'm desperate to witness. So honestly, as a bit of storytelling and as a match and as a segue from one bit to the next, this was nigh on perfect to the point, it doesn't just get an up, it gets the golden up. I mean, we achieved so much, we did it in 25 minutes to the point, if you do have a spare half an hour, you've got to go and watch it truly brilliant we then shook things up as well because it was matt Sydal versus dante martin but this also had a lovelier side. because it was the third time they fought matt Sydal had won the first two but now dante martin has leo rush in his corner we set this up wonderfully up as he has done throughout his career too matt Sydal just went out of his way to ensure that dante martin came across like an absolute beast of a wrestler and this was doubly helped by the fact that even naturally Dante Martin is an absolute beast of a wrestler. Like, even though we are in 2021 and we've pretty much seen it all, he is still coming up with these moves when you're like, wait a minute, I've never seen that before. Even Chris Jericho and Taz on commentary were like, this guy, he doesn't make any sense. One day, He is just going to probably be the best wrestler in the world. It was also great because Rush on the outside was playing coach. And as I keep on saying, he's great on this role. And eventually, Dante Martin just did this moonsault to the outside. It was so, so ridiculous. If I tried that, I would land on my skull and I'd be dead. And if somebody ran a story, it'd be random YouTube bull guy meets his demise because he tries a stupid move. Dante Martin, boop. Lands right on his feet. At this point, Matt Seidel thought, well, if he's not gonna slow down, I'll make him slow down by applying this heel hook and it actually look like he was gonna rip Dante's foot off. But it didn't work at all. Martin got back to the top, but Seidel was able to reverse that into a Hurricane Rana. This was just a barrel of fun. Martin also carried this on when he flipped out of the lightning spiral. And that was like me trying to do hard math, it didn't make any sense. And do you know how he won this? With a double springboard moonsault. A double springboard moonsault. I wouldn't even be able to do the double, he pulls it off like you just walk into the shop to get some bread, effortless, and he got the one, two, three. This was also sold instantly like, oh my gosh, he was able to do this because of Leo Rush, and when that guy turns on Dante Martin, it is going to be pretty damn good. We then had the weirdest face-to-face yet before we got to our main event, but my word it was funny. But as it was Britt Baker versus Abaddon, Mark Henry was doing Homer, hey, let's talk to the competitors, and when he cut to Abaddon, she just went, blah, blah, and a bunch of blood came out of her mouth. And we came back to Mark, he just went, well, I don't think Abaddon has much of a comment. Who would react like that? If you saw it, you'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm getting out of here, but I'm so happy he did do this. I was just rolling. Britt Baker had her lines too, and she acted like she was completely put out by this. As you would be, you are literally about to fight someone who thinks they are the undead. This was a trick-or-treat street fight too, and I'm gonna level with you. In the first few minutes, I did think it was a little bit slow, and I was like, oh man, this isn't what I thought it was gonna be. But then we got to a point when Abaddon said, ha I'm gonna get a chair, and my word, did this escalate? Because I not mean, only did she hit a senton on Britt Baker, who was laying under a chair. She then took this same weapon and she wedged it into the corner. She was then going to take the championship skull and just smash her into it. But instead, Britt Baker was able to reverse it, and it was Abaddon that went flying into the steel. But as would be a huge part of the match, she just kept popping up like she was the Undertaker. I really, really like that gimmick. Jamie Hater and Rebel were then getting involved, and that allowed them to set up a table. So Britt Baker went to give Abaddon a net breaker through it, and it didn't break. So then she then tried again with a suplex and the table didn't break, and even I on my couch was going, ow, ow, my back, which makes no sense because I couldn't be more removed from this. I mean, my innards were just dying from this, and I was like, what is going on with that wood? But again, the truly best bit is that Abaddon, no soul, all of this, the fans loved it, I loved it. And as I always say, if you're gonna have a character, you're gonna have a persona, and you buy in to this degree, I will come along for the ride. Some tank then got introduced, and I was looking around going, wait a minute, this is just a free match on TV. What is going on? And of all the people, it was Britt Baker who went into these. Because she got Uranagade right into the damn things. And as always, I can never handle it. It always looks disgusting. It always makes me feel like bah, 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 in my tum-tum. I can't believe that wrestlers do that. And fair play to her. Somehow that was only a two-counter. Baker fought back by getting a chair and just throwing it right into her face. <laughs> and then she got some of these tacks. And she put them in Abaddon's mouth. That's right, folks, little drawing pins in your tongue region. Who the hell wants that? Baker then decided she would go for the locked jaw, but she was terrified about putting her hand in Abaddon's mouth, as you would be. And because she did stall, Abaddon just grabbed and went, and started to eat her hand. Baker's face was brilliant. It was like she was seeing a patient and their mouth was full of plaque. This is when Hater and Rebel realized their pal was in trouble, so they just went full on with the shenanigans. Although it ended with Rebel having her face eaten. So we just went full on zombies. And of course, because Abaddon was distracted, Britt Baker went, well, I know what I'll do. I'll use the most devastating move in all us boss ended at this prize roll up into the thumbtacks, and she got the three. I don't care, man. I am never gonna get mad about that. I really like that finish though, because talk about protecting this gimmick. And look, given that this was meant to be a Halloween match, they ticked all the boxes, but I will warn you, this is not for the weaker heart. Up. And because Rampage are only a 60-minute program, that was the whole thing. They always go for their three matches. And as ever, they just do the job. And as ever, I'm going to give it up.